0: Hi everyone, this is Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au. Today I have got two guests with me. They're fellow Australians. I want to introduce to you Tina Mogler and Caitlin Hughes. They come from the Divergent Dialogues podcast and you can find them on Substack. So welcome and thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having us. us. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about something that I believe is a deeply human concept and topic and the topic is masking or camouflaging or compensating and we're talking about you know questioning in the most gentle way when am I really leaving myself and not being authentic and belonging in myself as I am in my nature and when am I subtly augmenting myself distorting adapting modifying my behaviors to keep up appearances and blend in, fit in, or serve some kind of purpose. And there's no right or wrong answers here. I think this conversation is a really, really important part of the rock steady process of coming home to oneself. And for me, really, of having more skills and tools and language for staying in the body and being true to who I am more often in the day and the week. So some of the key words we're going to be talking about center on masking. And I came across this language as I researched neurodivergence. Um, If you don't identify with being neurodivergent, I really want to invite you to keep listening because this is for all of us. But there is a lot we can learn from neurodivergent people and neurodivergent research. And I feel like masking is one of those areas um, where there's a lot to offer. So Tina and Caitlin, you can fight it out between you who starts off the conversation, but you're both social workers. You work in sort of counselling therapeutic contexts with clients, helping them understand themselves, helping them celebrate themselves and, and begin in the world in a really holistic way. Where does masking come into these conversations? Do you want to just start with what is masking?
1: Happy for me to go, Tina?
0: Yep. Take it away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, thanks so much, Joey. And I think you gave a really good um, overview of masking. Um, so, in essence, masking is something that people do in order to fit in. Um, I guess it's a, it's a social strategy for a lot of people. And I think, unfortunately, some people grow up like neurodivergent, whether or not um, they really know it. Um, But they start getting a lot of feedback around how they express themselves and communicate and relate to others. And sometimes that's really um, negative feedback um, and can result in um, like bullying and exclusion and those sorts of things. Um, So I guess masking is employed as a strategy in order to fit in and appear normal. Um, And I think it starts really young. Um, that is, I that think was "quote unquote" normal, by the way, for listeners. Yeah, "quote unquote" quality. normal. <laughs> yeah, <Sorry. laughs>
0: there is no normal here. Your normal uh, is your normal, and we give you full
1: permission to rock that normal. Nobody yes. else is normal. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, so, yeah, I guess it starts really young. Um, when, I mean, honestly, probably around late. Um, primary school, early high school, I think that's when those more complex uh, social relationships start to form. Um, And I guess it just kind of compounds from there. Um, So, yeah. So I guess, Tina, what's your, Mm -hmm. I guess, take on masking?
2: Yeah, I I would definitely agree with what you've both just said Um, with the, that, starting in primary school early teens um like i my own children are neurodivergent um and my daughter she's just gone into grade seven and all through grade six she was absolutely positive that she was going to be prime minister one day um she found out a friend of mine with a similar age child also wanted to be prime minister and all of a sudden it was just a competition between these two and in her own mind. But then at the end of grade six, they did a big presentation, you know, to farewell them and her little um, poster thing said that her favourite subject was PE and that she wanted to be an interior designer. And I was blown away by this because I'm like, that's not my daughter. And, you know, exploring that with her, it it, it was a, a like a masking strategy because, um, yeah, trying to fit in. And it might not be masking so much in that very neurodivergent common space that, you know, in common masking strategies that we see, but it it certainly was a masking strategy that a young person uses trying to fit in and um yeah like just mm. be a part of a part of the group because she didn't want to be you know a nerd
1: so to speak yeah yeah um, I was going to say it's it's also those interests because neurodivergent folks tend to have those quirky interests and then it becomes socially unacceptable um, to others so then they'll change their interest to align with, I guess the mainstream yeah and what I wanted to
0: um, add on to this story is you know what happens to us biologically when there's repeated actions of leaving our authentic self and putting on this pretend veneer mask mm-hmm. I mean it's it really is a good turn of phrase um And, you know, what happens in our body, what happens in our mind-body connection, what happens at that soul existential level. And I think this can be like the very, very subtle forms of trauma where it's like the microaggressions, even complicit in it. And we're choosing at that point in time, or not necessarily, it can be unconscious, subconscious, absolutely, probably Mm. mostly it is. And that's part of what this podcast today is about. It's about looking at when are we unconsciously or subconsciously faking it, pretending, pushing through, adding on a few layers that perhaps is extra baggage we don't need. So I I guess what I'm moving towards is our nervous system, which my listeners are are happy to comfortable to talk about. It knows when we move away from our center and our alignment and our quote unquote truth. You know, we all have different truths at any point in time. And that can mean we can enter the fight, flight, freeze, fawn zones of regulation or dysregulation. And that can just add more neural processing to our day, which can lead to feeling exhausted, feeling fatigue that's inexplainable. You're like, I'm eating well, I love my job. I exercise. I'd like, why am I so tired? It can be these layers of micro masking and it all adds up I think a little bit is fine it's a blip in the ocean but when it becomes an actual persona that we embody on repeat and it can be a bit addictive I think it's a real process of unmasking mm-hmm. and revealing who we really are so do you, does anybody feel confident or brave enough or have a fresh memory of some personal experience with masking and unmasking to get to give any concrete examples or case studies as well would be
1: fine I mean, I can't think of a case study off the top of my head, but it might come to me as I speak. Actually, no, I do. So um, (laughs) something that I always say to my clients is that um, masking is a choice, but it also comes at a cost. Mm. So it's a choice in the way that, you know, like every, like um, neurodivergent folks and, um, you know, non-neurodivergent folks. At some point in time, people um, may feel that they need to mask. So, for example, when you go to a job interview, um, you may feel that you need to portray a certain persona in order to get a particular job. Um, There may be places and spaces where you feel that you can unmask more and be yourself and that's safe. And for some people it is a safety issue. Um, Like for... Um, you know, a lot of different minority groups um, expressing themselves outwardly, um, it can um, be really dangerous for them. So they may feel that they have less of a choice. Um, So for example, I was talking with a client recently and they were saying to me, I'm working full time. I'm coming home. When I come home, I am just completely exhausted. I've just got nothing left in the tank anymore. And we explored it a little bit. And essentially they were masking highly all day, all every work day. Um, And I was saying to them, that's part of why you're feeling so um, horrible and exhausted when you get home is because you're not sitting In your authentic self, there's all of these extra mental processes you're having to go through. So your executive functioning is on double time, Mm -hmm. um, trying to portray this particular persona to other people. Um, And that's common for a lot of the people that I work with. Unfortunately, they feel um, particularly in professional spaces, um, educational spaces, um, and and with some friends and family, depending where they're at um, in their journey of understanding themselves and their neurodivergence, mm. or even as as
0: I say, going back to this sort of neuro common ground, I think even people who do identify as neuronormative or neurotypical, we can lose ourselves in the groupthink and in the mainstream. And there's this individuation process of sort of having to, at times, go. This isn't working for me. Whatever my choices are, which could be relationships, it could be careers, could be the place you live. Like there can be this sort of culture clash, and that's feeling very unsettled and exhaustive. I just mm-hmm. wanted to clarify. We have I have spoken on my podcast about executive function, but just to clarify for new listeners, if I just put think about my own lived ex- experience. If I could sort of turn back the clock and slow everything down and explain how I think this feels for me in my inner world, I think it's almost as though if I'm in a social situation, which could even be a family barbecue, yeah. it's like my brain is collecting all this information about body language, facial gestures, topics and themes, mood, emotion. You know, I'm, I'm my my body is taking in all this information. I'm noticing who's got on odd socks. I'm I'm taking it all in. <laughs> Then there's this executive function, just like the admin team of my brain, and it's a filter system. It's a prioritizing system. It's saying, "Nope, that's not useful." Yes, that one, and 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 it's getting all this data and organizing it. Um, the more I'm masking, actually, the more data that's getting in and needing to be organized. So it's an added layer for my admin team, which is exhausting. And I'm like, "Oh my god, that barbecue." And if I'm not in my body and listening to my felt sense, my emotional state, my topics and themes of interest that I actually want to talk about, if I'm in other people's stuff, it's much more processing, it's exhausting, it's less satisfying, I don't feel as emotionally or spiritually met, there's less Mm. contentment. So I walk away from the barbecue feeling like, God, why did I bother? I was just mm-hmm. talking about football and nodding my head and going, yeah, how's the weather? <laughs> um, <laughs> so just just to sort of try and slow that down so we can see the, the added, um, like the machinations of the brain, it's a lot more heady and there's a lot more juggling of many, many pieces of data if I'm in that masking zone. And essentially, I may choose to mask, even if it's subconsciously, to actually make other people feel more comfortable. Because if Mm -hmm. I was to dive into things that was really juicy for me and just feeling alive, it could actually be quite a deeply soulful conversation that would freak other people out. And then they're uncomfortable. So I may be protecting them emotionally, which is, of course, not my job. Um, But Tina, love to hear from you. Yeah so i think um
2: the that example of the the barbecue i think is a is a great one because um when you when you don't really understand or know uh, that this like masking is something that you do or if you don't really understand how you're doing it um it, it is really exhausting and it, I mean, it's exhausting even when you do know you're doing it, but uh, yeah, like social things uh, are just really unsatisfying and we can really turn that in on ourselves and become really critical of ourselves because it's like, oh, you know, your friends put on this nice thing for you and you couldn't even be happy. And, you know, we we had this great Christmas function with all the family and and you're you're still miserable. Like we can really um, be quite harsh to ourselves for not enjoying these things, Um, but, you know, like not realising why it was so exhausting. And, um, yeah, I think that... In those in those situations, I I find that I mask quite a lot in the way that um, you know I'm a I'm a professional woman. I I do well in my business. I do well academically, and people see me as this really together, um, capable, successful person. Uh, and in in our society, in our culture. You, you're either one or the other um it's it's not okay to be brilliant in the workspace but like just really struggle in the in the home or like the mum space cuz I'm also a single mum of 3 kids and so I find that for for me a really strong masking um strategy that I do is pretending that I get it um, if I, if we're talking about my work stuff, like the brain, emotions, <laughs> neurodivergence, research, um, I'm all over it, and it's hard to get a word in edgeways. But outside of that, it's yeah, I'm kind of like, oh, I don't really understand, especially like with humor, like jokes. It's mm. just I don't get it. And but socially, you're only allowed to ask so many questions to clarify something before you're seen as interrogating or um, being argumentative you know I I can't count how many times I've been accused of like why are you arguing with me about this I'm like well, I'm not I'm sorry I just still don't get it I just had a few more questions to try and understand what you were trying to say uh, so I I mask by not asking questions, pretending that I completely get it, and trying not to let anyone know that um, yeah I I'm not understanding. And like letting that mask go is is challenging because that there is that fine line between I really don't want to pretend here because I want to get it, and I'm I'm tired and drained by pretending that I know what the conversation's about, uh, but I don't want to be argumentative or challenge people accidentally.
0: (laughs) I feel like this takes us into the territory of just, um, not just, of reflecting and being more conscious about, you know, who are our safe people, who are the Mm. communities and places, and, you know, for not for everybody, but for some people that will actually be more one-on-one type yeah. interactions as opposed to the groups where there's lots of actually everyone's kind of masking in groups that, that creates the social cohesion. Um, mm. And I think ultimately this is this is sort of my dreaming space now, my imaginal space, but I think we're as a human species really working towards being more differentiated, being more individuated in really, really healthy ways where we knock up against each other and our differences in a, in, with curiosity, with healthy attunement, um, so there's not so much merging, groupthink, masking, camouflaging, compensating. But as a community, you know, I, I think we've got a ways to go. And there is a lot of this subconscious, unconscious masking everywhere. Um, so yeah, thinking about, you know, who are my safe people, how can I attract more of these people? And really that all comes back down to authenticity that magic word of when I am more in my body when I am more responsive to my actual nervous system and when I am more in tune with the themes topics ideas the stuff that lights me up and makes me feel alive and really gets that dopamine hit and serotonin oxytocin all the feel-good chemicals chemicals, that's authentically genuinely bubbling and alive in my body Um, and for my rock steady listeners this is our desired sensations and all this stuff we're exploring in our body we're more likely actually to attract other people and and understand when we might meet those people and how it feels to be around more of those people so it's a it's a space of exploration and growth maybe a bit of courage thrown in um in the in your line of work how do you support people to potentially um navigate those new relationships, perhaps new sense of safety and belonging. Because I can imagine that's a real journey in and of itself. Oh, it absolutely is.
2: One of the one of the things that um I like to do with people that I'm working with is encouraging like as a as a first step, obviously getting to know themselves and yeah. um what working out where where do you want to make those changes um, to start with? Because it is a personal journey. And like we've spoken about, sometimes, um, you know, masking is about helping us to feel safe um so finding where we want to make those changes and helping people get comfortable doing things differently. So the example I gave before about you know um, not asking too many questions to to you know help me understand when when I feel like actually no, I don't want to be doing this, having an awkward conversation and saying things that you you wouldn't you know typically say like, hey, I'm really not, getting it is it okay if I ask a whole bunch of questions because I want to understand Mm. um is that all right so you know putting it out there to start with that I don't want to be seen as argumentative or anything like that interrogating Mm. I um but I do really want to understand so this is this is the way I do it I ask loads of questions is that okay with you um Most most of the time people are like, yeah, and they like that, you know, I'm interested. Um, Yeah, and sometimes people are like, "Um, yeah, okay. (laughs) And I can see that it's a little bit awkward. Uh, And, yeah, so just getting a little bit comfortable with saying things different, having a different way of um, asking.
0: Yeah, psychological boundaries, you know, is this okay? Yeah, This is what I'm thinking. How does that land for you? You know, it's it's a great role modelling of cultivating conscious psychological boundaries. Caitlin? Yeah. I I can see Caitlin's biting to. (laughs) Really?
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, lots of, yeah, this is such a great conversation. I've just had so many things pop up. um, So I'm having to like kind of go, okay, focus, Caitlin. Um, So something that really resonated with me, Joey, when you um, were talking before was that word courage. And something that I have to remind myself when I'm working with my clients is that I'm asking them to be vulnerable. I'm asking them to be vulnerable with me and I'm asking them to be vulnerable with others. And for a lot of my clients, they've experienced a lot of trauma, particularly um, in that social space. Mm -hmm. So I have to um, be really supportive around that and really understanding of that. And, you know, for some people, they've had this mask for so long and I can't ask them to just rip that mask off. Um, And obviously I want to support them to work towards that authenticity and that unmasking, Mm -hmm. but I have to respect their process and their pace and um, really encourage them and say look this this is brave this takes courage because a lot of people struggle um, to be vulnerable um, especially when they've experienced trauma because they're so afraid of being rejected Um, but I always say to them I get it it's so scary but if you just hold on and persist You're going to connect with people that you really are getting. You know, you're talking about before that kind of that flow, those conversations, that energy, that joy. Um, And yeah, it's a bit of a journey, but you will get there and it's so worth it.
0: Yeah. And I'm actually pinching, I think, your terminology here, Tina, off one of your podcasts, which are worth listening to everyone, Divergent Dialogues, which is the psychological and physiological harm that comes if in the long term if we are keeping up this strong attachment and identity to some of those personas or shadow parts of ourselves that are not authentic did you want to speak to that psychological and physiological harm any further
2: yeah so it it is that is um quite a consequence of um masking where um when you, when you are in that space constantly you know you go to work, you go to school, um, whatever your day is <laughs> uh, and you are wearing that mask um, all day long you, uh, you you are so aware of everything you say and do because you you need to sort of keep it together and then you come home and it's it's just you don't have anything left for for yourself.
0: Um, and or, or we're actually also masking at home. You know, that's there's that possibility too that it's the double-edged sword that we're sort of gaslighting ourselves and masking almost permanently and we don't, we really, I, I would say some of my clients fall into this And their body, because I work in the sensory realm and the the symptomatology realm, that their body is starting to really express that physiological harm, that they now have symptom loops firing. And I think the journey of coming back to authenticity really does become quite life-saving and necessary.
2: Yes, absolutely. So you're right. Like going home and then still masking, but in a in a different in a different sort of way. Um, it's it's really draining. And when we spend um, all day, every day without a break, in varying states of high cortisol, you know, our stress hormones. Um, that does take its toll on our body. Uh, you know, we get to a point where our baseline stress is actually really, really high, uh, but we see that as, oh, no, I'm feeling good. Um, you know, things are, things are going really well, but yet we're, we're well off where we sort of want to be aiming for uh because we've become so accustomed to sitting in these in this state of um of stress and and burnout uh you know it affects our sleep it affects our mood it it affects um yeah like all those really important parts of our our personality and it um it does it it shifts who we are on like from a core sort of level and getting back to that that authentic version of ourselves that it can be really really challenging uh people people don't so much like it when we start to do things differently all of a sudden whether it's be different about the way we're using our words um, whether it's being more open about uh, the struggles that we're having um, yeah, like that can be really confronting for the people around us. And some of the work that I do with um, my clients is before we even get started, helping them recognise that we're going to do a lot of work to figure out, you know, who you are and and the way you want to be in this world. And that's going to feel great for you. But we also have to be prepared for the people around you to be uncomfortable and really push back
0: on that. And, and again, that psychological boundaries, because other people's experience, their emotions, their opinions, their perceptions is actually not our work, not our job. And if we run around the world trying to make everybody else okay, which is that fawning, mm. that fight, flight, freeze, fawn, their protection, defense, survival mechanisms, super, super healthy, but we don't want to be engaging in them all the time every day. So again those psychological boundaries of going well actually this is my truth this is my authenticity and how that rubs off against other people is actually their work to go home and process not mine.
2: Yeah, a, a client of mine um late diagnosed autistic person uh working around unmasking and yeah connecting with their authentic self and understanding these parts of themselves um had a partner who actually said to them, um, so are you going to act autistic now?" Because they they were essentially sort of unmasking and, yeah, letting some of those parts out that they had previously kind of kept, you know, like, oh, don't want to let my like my weird out. Um, but getting comfortable and just say, actually, no, this is just who I am and I'm I'm pretty cool. But that was the response they they had from a partner. So um yeah,
0: that's that's really uncomfortable. And an edge of growth. None of there's nothing wrong with any of those conversations and those comments can be really gracefully navigated so we can keep stuck yes. into this place of being met, being heard, being understood. I think that's I think those skills, as Caitlin said, of being vulnerable and having communication strategies and tools um, and even the empathy clash business, like understanding that different people express themselves in different ways and would like to receive or give support in different ways, having this um, toolkit to navigate all of those clunky, awkward edges where things I might say or do might actually genuinely quote, unquote, upset somebody else, but it's innocent. It's not an insensitivity. It's not intentional. You know, what do we do with those? You know, how can we have conversations that level the ground and and maintain the connection, maintain the awareness, the friendship, the relationship? And I think that's all part of it, actually, and that's part of our humanity together on this planet, being differentiated and bumping up against each other.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: And I was just, yeah, so I I guess just taking a little bit of a, like a, a side quest relevant, but I guess I, yeah, something that I talk to my clients about much like Tina is about through that process, unfortunately, um, sometimes some connections may change or kind of drop off, but I guess what I really want people to understand, um, whether they're going through that Um, that journey of understanding themselves or if they are like a loved one um or like a partner or a friend trying to understand um their you know neurodivergent um personal loved one is that um long-term masking has serious impacts to mental health um, and people can go to really dark places and I think, you know, like the comment that um, Tina said that her uh, client's partner said, it's, um, you know, that, that can be quite hurtful because it's like I'm being vulnerable, I'm showing you me and you're kind of sounding a bit annoyed about that. Um, and, you know, for some people, there may be certain behaviours or things that, um, you know, that, that, you know, can be a bit of a shift and a change and maybe some things can be a little bit uncomfortable. Um, but what they need to understand is if that person can't be authentic in themselves, it is damaging um, them every single day. And, you um, it can have really um, harmful consequences to them and their mental health and how they see themselves and feel about themselves.
0: And physical health.
1: You know, I think I'm
0: seeing people at the end of the spectrum where the medical world can't do anything anymore. There are these chronic, elusive, invisible symptoms, which I prefer to call persistent sensations, that yeah. are, their inner la- sensory landscape is really neurologically alive. There's a lot of synapses, pinging and ponging. It's on, it's on, it's on. And how can we come back more into that ventral, vagal, optimal yeah. firing patterns more often, safety, belonging, connection, authenticity. That's my rock steady journey and program that I support people through. I wanted to say there's something coming back, like bouncing off both of you. Caitlin mentioned like in our society, people like you to be just this thing. Like if you're mm. brilliant, you're brilliant. If you're social, you're social. Whereas the reality is is we're we're multidimensional beings. And yeah. thinking back to myself, when I started to discover and 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 be resonant with neurodivergence, I just gave myself more permission to like literally pick up a book and read it in a day. And it was like there was there was ways I was performing or doing things that I thought a mother should, or a partner, or a wife, or and, and it was really, really subtle, but it's like actually I'm feeling like just reading this book from front to back on the couch this afternoon and really just letting myself geek out a bit and embrace more of my crazy scientist and (laughs) and there was a little bit of a um and my husband's also like he's similar we've got very similar ways of being in the world but he did make a comment that was that was like you know you're changing or you know I don't know how I feel about this. And I, I mean, it really mm. did wash over me because I was, I think there was so much satisfaction and contentment and dopamine hitting and just that leveling down of my bodily firing patterns Yeah, that it's, it's better for the whole family that I actually do embrace some of that quirky non-conventional ways of being in my daily life. Mm. Um, And the other thing is, is if what I wanted to sort of say, touching upon the multidimensionality is just because some days, weeks or months, I may want to literally just read books. That doesn't mean I'm super introverted or antisocial or a bookworm, you know, that could be a description of that behavior in that moment. But it's in relationship to where I am in my cycle. It's in relationship to how old my children are and, you know, there's so many relationships that are forming how I authentically respond. It doesn't define me as a static person. Mm. And so I think understanding that we're changing, we're cyclical, we're dynamic, you know, we're all in relationship to everything else in this interconnected universe. Mm. Um, There's a real flexibility and expansion there that opens up possibility. And actually it really shifts us out of judgment yeah. yeah
2: absolutely and i think that um you you know you you mentioned about getting back to that ventral bagel state and when when we think about um you, you know drawing from like polyvagal theory and they talk about starting where in that um that ventral vagal state and Forming an idea of what are the things, the people, the the sounds, the smells, you know, um, what is it that's around you when you're in your your ventral vagal state, uh, and it, it is it, it's it can be all so vastly different, uh, and that's okay, but yeah our society likes us to be really easily um defined and it, it's like well to make you happy you need a b and c but the reality is that might only be um at you know one part of the month uh, a different part of the month i might need x y and z to feel happy um my 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 daughter like driving them to school you know we often take turns of who's going to pick what music's on in the car. And you know, sometimes I like to I like to have a bit of Xavier Rudd playing. He's, you know, he's my my <laughs> secret husband. <laughs> um, and other times I I like to listen to lectures on the brain. And my my daughter commented that um There that her friends had this conversation and they they, all their mums have these playlists that they play on the way to school. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And she said, yeah, I'm the only one that has to listen to brain lectures, Um, but I think that makes me smarter, mum. And I'm like, "Mm, maybe I don't know. (laughs) I I once quoted Coolio in um, Gangster's Paradise in an essay that I did really well from. So you know, music music helps.
1: <laughs> um i was just going to say that um i guess a lot of the the work that i do with my clients is identifying um their needs and their wants and i guess how what they're doing um what makes them happy and i think the more they align themselves with their needs um yeah. look at their wants they're so much happier like um, I'm just thinking of a client who, um, like something that I talk about uh, with a lot of my clients, is challenging those social norms of um, what does um, being productive in society look like? There's this expectation that you're going to work nine to five, five days a week in one job. A lot of my clients are like, I describe them as like multi-potentialites. So they have so many interests and drives and um, talents. And uh, for one of my clients, I said, well, because they're like, oh, well, I can't do it all. And I'm like, why not? I said, you can't do all of them full time, but maybe you could, um, you know, work one day here, one day there, and they've changed it up and now they're really happy Um, I had another client who I was speaking to them around um, like putting in boundaries socially with others because uh, they felt that they had to essentially do whatever other people requested. And when I told them that they could say no, they were like, Caitlin, you've changed my life. I didn't know that I could could say no to people and that I didn't have to just go along and and do all these sorts of things. So I think a, a lot of my clients are really intuitive. And I say to them, you're so intuitive. You know what you need. You just need to listen to that. And when you start listening to that, that's when things are going to fall into place. You're going to feel calmer. You're going to feel more in alignment with who you are and your needs. Um, And things are just going to be so much easier because people are so used to, as a neurodivergent person, um, masking and going against their grain of who they actually are um, and when they come and get support and they're told look you can just be yourself it's this process of peeling off all of these different layers of and messages that they've been told their whole life um so yeah it's just it's a really I feel really privileged to be a part of that process with a lot of my clients
0: yeah and just- I think um Oh, sorry. I just wanted to break down the term, like being intuitive, what does that mean? And for my listeners, I want I want you to consider that we're all intuitive when we're in our body and when we're listening to the very real nervous system pulse and the, the mm-hmm. synaptic inputs that are mapping throughout our body. We are picking up on the breeze, the wind, the sun, social cohesion, dangers. We're in this call and response of safety and danger, it's incredibly tribal. Um, and I think the more we practice listening and going within, and you know, body scanning, and really being present with the inner states and interoception, proprioception, all of that is massively central to our rocksteady process as we're remapping and reshaping the sensory system. So that's all I think part of honing in and mm-hmm. supporting our in- intuitive capacity. And I believe it's a skill that we um, we can build. But just mm-hmm. to reiterate. If you relate to this concept of masking, pretending, faking, pushing through, you've essentially become like PhD excellent at not being intuitive and yeah. going, oh, uh-uh, I better not listen to this. I'll listen to that. I'll do that, not this. So instead of being internally aligned, <clears throat> we're externally aligned, and that can just be tremendously difficult for self-concept, self-esteem, you know, really, really tricky and boundaries, you know, where do you end and I begin? Yeah, Tina. What were you going to say? Yeah. So, um, I think that Caitlin made a really
2: good point um, around the uh, the what are we, what should we be doing? And when when I speak with people um, about the the social rules and the the things that aren't written down, but just in in the sense of like I'll ask. Um, someone, what does it mean to be a mother? Tell me who a mother is. Tell me who uh, a a woman is, and then even further to that, tell me what a good mother is. Tell me what a good woman is, or a good wife is. And you know, like there's people can give me a whole bunch of descriptors to sit under those um, those labels, and. Like that. That's where we. That's where we um, draw from to decide what should I be doing because I want to be a good mother. I want to be a good partner. I want to be a good woman. Um, and and then you know that can be applied across the board. What is it to be a successful person in this in this world? Um, and then we, we try and match those, those descriptors, you know, uh, like a, a good mother, um, you know, gets up and makes breakfast for the, for the kids and does all of these things that I can't do so well. Um, so does that make me a bad mother? No, not at all. Um. But while I'm trying so hard to be a good mother as determined by society, and you know, like those those labels are um we, we add value to them based on a whole bunch of things like Hollywood, TV, um what we've seen our own uh mothers, fathers do. Um you know, like there is. Yeah, you know, um, all the information we get from the the internet around, you know, what we're supposed to be doing in any of those, in any of those roles in our life. So we've got all of this information, and we are trying to match the description. Uh, but when, when you break it down, and yet talking to people about, well, what do you do in in these roles, that feels really good for you? It's it's very easily aligned with their own ideas of you know what it is to be um in any of those roles uh, and you can be brilliant at, at whatever you want to do without matching society's description of stuff um whatever it is so you like talking, the it, it comes yeah, back like to the working
0: yeah just gonna really clarify whether we're coming at things from an intrinsically, centered way that it's about my personal values what's important to me what's meaningful to me you know where am I getting actual dopamine oxytocin these feel-good uplifting connection Mm. pulses they're real they're in my nervous system they're in my intuitive body if I can collect that information intrinsically and get to know how I move in the world in my nature it's much 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 more powerful than trying to match external extrinsic the outer expectations judgments you'll notice Tina using lots of shoulds there I should do this or this is good this is bad you know a huge part for me anyway in the in our rocksteady community is really really holding lightly any of that positive negative good bad language and shifting into a paradigm of what is and how can I support what is how can I stay true with what is how can I stay in my body with what is and not be yes. abandoning myself, rejecting myself, or judging myself against these external narratives. So, just noticing that there's like two different paradigms and ways of living is really quite life changing. <laughs> um, yes. And taking things in baby, baby steps, um, I think, is also a really important conversation um, that as we begin to let go of the mask, it can be little bits at a time. We can still retain the bits that feel safe and protective and mm. just keep keep the process unfolding
1: in a really mm. gentle, gentle unfurling way. I'm just getting this like image in my mind as you're talking and it's something I talk to my clients a lot about is um, they need to stop trying to fit, sorry, <clears throat> they need to stop trying to fit into this mold that society has made them because they're literally trying to squish themselves into this mold and like like, into it. And they're so busy focusing on all this pressure that's around them to try and fit into this mold rather than um, exploring and understanding themselves and, and sitting with themselves. And it's almost like this claustrophobia where all these things are like pushing down inwards on top of you and i think once they feel that like i can just like walk out of that mold and just look at that and go okay well that's you know that's society that's that kind of mold those are all those rules but i can actually make my own rules i can follow my own path i can do my own thing and that's totally valid and totally okay um and i can be as quirky as i want I can live a really different life compared to other people. And that's just as valid as that mold. Some people want to fit that mold and that's totally fine. That's, you know, that's their choice. Um, And we're not devaluing that, but, um, but yeah, we don't have to fit into that mold. We don't have to be in pain to do that. And if that's what it feels like, then I think you really need to start thinking about whether that mold is serving you or whether you need to kind of walk on your own path and, um, you know, be more authentic in yourself, which is so important for our global collective
0: health, you know. I just feel like there's so much caging up of freedom, of life force flow and authenticity, and like letting people be loud, be quiet, have big arm movements or not, like who like who's it to put these rules on? But there are all of these somehow quietly agreed upon narratives of how we should speak, how we should walk, how we should talk, how we should do so many things and we're all signing up and, and agreeing to this <clears throat> kind of invisible contract even when it actually feels harmful towards us and our authentic individuation. So they're really really rich, rich inquiries and I think and, and that's actually the my main reason in talking about Neurodivergence bringing it to this wider, podcast community, because I know not all of my members are neurodivergent, but our global world needs this individuation. We need the neurodiversity. We actually benefit as a species from having the diversity. If we're all cloning each other and copying each other, there's a lack of health and robustness in our collective. We actually need these lateral thinking people. We need multipotentialites. There are issues in the world and current systems that need different answers need different thinkers we need different personalities and different people to come to the table and use their voice we need minorities to be more visible and more in their power um so this is a really really important conversation not just for our physical personal individual health but for our collective health um so that's how this information's really hit me it's like we this is not a conversation for a psychiatric office. This is a conversation for every dinner table.
1: Yes, I totally agree. And and yeah, as I said in the beginning, it's not just for neurodivergent folks. If everyone could um, be brave enough to um, be their authentic self, I think the world would be a much better place. I think everyone... Everyone's mental health would be much better. I'd probably be out of a job, but that's okay. I'd be fine with that if, you know, where I was living in this world where everyone could be authentic um, and be happy. And, um, yeah, I think it, it's just so important um, and it's it's such a, a big journey for so many people, um, but it's so worth it. Yes. it is
2: it is so it is so very complex going on this journey because um we we're, we're talking about unmasking and sort of getting back to that authentic part of ourselves but even in that space of you know um relaxation and wellness, there's a whole bunch of information that we're told about how you're supposed to relax. You know, think the billboards with the, the day spa advert and the holiday, you know, on a nice beach somewhere, um, you know, but for me, my absolute pinnacle of relaxation and feeling energised is having the house to myself for a whole day and just sitting there and hyper-focusing on my PhD, my research uh, that that is the the activity that brings me the biggest and most yeah long lasting sense of self soothing relaxation um, yeah the okay. beach is yeah. going to drive me insane I'll get bored
0: yeah <laughs> like all all those neurons are just happily firing and 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 they're working in their little collectives doing what they need to do because you're in your your hyper focus it's a very relaxing flow state yeah. Like yeah, a, I mean
2: like the best thing is like to me. <laughs> Yeah, you know, like sitting at the beach, hyper focusing so on my
0: beach. Sure.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I like a, a luxury apartment on the beach or a nice little cabin in the but bush I, somewhere. But
0: I I actually love standing my toes and <laughs> I I find the air conditioning of luxury apartments like really claustrophobic. So, so this is like a great example how we all have different nervous systems that I'll feel really yeah. comfortable in like a high-end hotel. My body will just be like, ooh. Whereas I'll love to pitch a tent and be more in the grubby, dirty nature which feels my my nervous system I think feels more settled. Yeah. And so there's no right or wrong. There are different flavors to how we engage with the world and, you know, this is like a – such an interesting great juicy topic in and of itself you know how do we feel settled and relaxed and people often think that body scanning or meditation is about full body relaxation and no thoughts it's like well not really not at all body scanning to me is about being present with what is which could actually be a panic attack and how can I gracefully support that space and be present with that and not fight flight freeze fawn reject abandon way And meditation-type practices are not about having no thoughts and suddenly being vacuous, but I do think it's about being aware of what thoughts or maps or integrations or processes are occurring and really gently holding space for that, being present with it, not hooking in, um, that there's there's a level of non-attached awareness that we're building that skill. It's not about being vacuous and void of thoughts. So Mm. that's just feeding back on some of that unhelpful conditioning, brainwashing in the outer world around what relaxation is or what meditation is, what yoga is, what spirituality is. It is what it is for you. It's an individual thing. Mm. And arguably some people could say they feel super relaxed running marathons. You know, it's very, very personal yeah and, and getting comfortable
2: with what is your like what it is for you uh, and and not feeling like you have to apologize for it or justify it um yeah it's just getting comfortable with who you are and just doing it
0: yeah caitlin i'd love to invite you to share if you wish some words of wisdom or encouragement for people out there who might be like gosh i really want to Read about masking or learn about it. This feels like it's tickled me. Um, do you have any books you would recommend or any words of wisdom for start beginning the process?
1: Yes, I think my my cat he wants he's got something to share as well. It seems today. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so a book that I read um, when I first started um, my unmasking journey and trying to understand myself especially um, in terms of autism, is there's this um, amazing book called Unmasking Autism by Dr. Devon Price. Um, And yeah, I found it, um, it's quite practical as well. There's, um, I guess the way that the book is written is that um, it obviously describes that experience, Um, There's a lot of that lived experience that comes through, but also helps you to navigate that journey of how do I start to unmask and how do I start to peel off those layers? So Mm. um, if you're um, like identify as autistic or you're kind of on that journey trying to explore that, I would highly recommend that I find particularly for a lot of my autistic clients that a great way that they um, learn about themselves is through resonating with other people's stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think um, seeking out, um, like even just like going online, trying to find some, um, you know, people uh, like advocates or other people with lived experience and listening to their stories and how they process things um, can be really helpful. And there's there's all sorts of people, um, I guess, out there. Yeah. Um, you're welcome just, to listen Yeah, I just want to clarify
0: probably I think you're referring to like podcasts or books written by neurodivergent people as opposed to entering the wild west of the interworld web where it can actually be a bit of a psychologically boundary confusing space. So just to be really aware of there can be the psychological and physiological harm that comes up if you're in groups that just complain about symptoms all the time, if they're really in the judgment space, if they're in the labeling and identifying with medicalization, pathologizing any of this conversation. For us, the neurodiversity affirming model is something to be very aware of. Find neurodiversity affirming therapists, find neurodiversity affirming groups, peers. It's just a massive world of difference. And I would definitely recommend... um, Reading people's real lived stories, getting the inner experience instead of reading external psychiatry, the external observer experience is just so different. Um, And yes, by listening to stories, you may see parts of yourself and also not see parts of yourself. And that's all
1: useful for your own becoming. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, thank you, Joe. I think that's a really good point because I guess online people are going to be at different stages of their journey. And I can tell you that on my journey, there were parts that it was dark and it was hard. And, you know, I'm, like I'm hoping I'm on the other side now. Um so yeah I think it is I don't know it's all a bit of a process. It you know goes in um, the day. Blah. Yeah. But I think yeah that that's a really good point that um if you're in that really vulnerable space, um you want to be engaging in content where people are kind of on that other side and they do have that balanced perspective. Um, and, and, you know, and it's okay for people to, to struggle. And for some people, they express that online and that's totally valid, but for some people that are, um, experiencing, um, you know, difficulty with their mental health and that processing, then obviously that's not going to be really helpful for them when they're in that space necessarily. Yeah.
0: And Tina, any encouragement, words of wisdom,
1: recommendations, you can
0: also, um, plug your, Divergent Dialogue Substack podcast as well, if you'd like.
2: Oh yes, thank you. Um, <laughs> like, Caitlin's better at knowing the the URLs and all that kind of stuff than I am. <laughs> but um, I would, I I think that words of wisdom is would be that um, just take a step. It, it's okay to to be thinking about it and not do anything just yet. It's okay to take a little step and start exploring, you know, safe podcasts and, um, you know, like online groups that are talking about this stuff in a, in a positive way to, to understand it. It's okay to start by listening before you decide to start doing. And it's, it's also okay... Uh, when when you're really aware of um, your masking and how you're masking, where you're masking, why, all of these things, it it is still okay for you to say that actually I know I'm doing this, but I'm I'm going to keep doing it in this space. Uh, We we talk a lot about unmasking, uh, which is a very, very important conversation to have, but I think that it's uh, keeping it balanced and letting people know that you're you're not um, wrong if you choose to keep masking in certain situations because you're trying to be effective and and get your needs met in that in that workspace or whatever it might be so um I think that my, my words of wisdom would be it is it is your journey and uh, they are your choices to make
0: mm. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And listeners, I hope you've um, been inspired to inquire because I think it's probably pretty safe to say all humans at some level are masking and pushing through and faking it and pretending at certain times in the day. And I think the more we have choice in that, the much, much more power we have, the more energy we reclaim, you know. And I think when I go back to – um rewind the clock to some of my younger days, I did have inexplicable exhaustion, like really, really heavy, heavy, heavy fatigue. Um, and it wasn't really explainable and no one could explain it to me. And I now look back and think it was probably heavy masking. Like I just had no Mm -hmm. words for it, no language for it. And all that effort of trying to belong, feel safe, fit in and doing well, like, you know, at face value, it would have appeared that I was very well networked and connected and whatever, but on the inside feeling vacuous and just feeling unseen, unmet, dissatisfied, discontent, this like yearning and curiosity and this soulful stuff that was just untouched. Um, Mm. So it really, really is so worth it, I think.
1: It's just so worth it. Yeah. I was just thinking that... um... I guess it's the the first step is to really tune into yourself and to understand yourself and to go within. That's um, if, you know, if if you don't understand what's behind the mask, then it's hard to take it off.
0: Yep. So may, for everybody listening, may it be, A genuinely gentle and safe process for you because these are protections and they're protecting something. And I think that's what Caitlin's just alluding to. How can we keep the protection, but use a different strategy that retains authenticity and keeps us in our body? Thank you so much. So divergent dialogues, you can look that up on Substack and I'll pop some links in as well below. Thank you so much. Tina, Caitlin really enjoyed this conversation and your company. And it's a little bye for now. So I'm Joey Remini from seekingbalance.com.au and I'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye. Bye.